At my house, we have been listening to a lot of Christmas music, a.k.a. Mariah Carey. And I have to say that I'm with Jimmy Fallon when he recently said there needs to be some new Christmas music. I'm ready to bring on some new Christmas music. Maybe I write some new Christmas music, but I, I love some of the traditionals. I love the Handel's Messiah. Uh, Handel's Messiah sing-along, one of my favorite things. I love to sing it. Um, and I love the holiday season and how it brings out a lot of traditions with families. So what does your family do and or what do you want to carry forward or potentially start? When it comes to holiday traditions, specifically Christmas, I want you thinking about this. What is something that your family does that you definitely want to carry forward or what's a tradition potentially that you might want to start? I'll give you an example. Some of my friends growing up, uh, they always got Christmas pajamas. I'm going to be really honest. My entire time growing up, my entire life, I wanted Christmas pajamas. Like, I legit was like, somebody please give me Christmas pajamas that I can open on Christmas Eve and put on and have them be fluffy or like the onesie suit with the hood and all the things, right? Didn't happen. So what's something that happens at my house? 100% Christmas pajamas happen at my house. So here in about a week on December 24th, so what is it today? Well, depending on what day you're listening, but this launches on Monday. So uh, come Sunday, what is one of the things we're going to be opening at my house? Yep, Christmas pajamas. You can bet the farm, baby, that that's happening. But something that did happen when I was little that still continues now, in fact, I cannot, in my 52 years, I cannot remember a Christmas when I wasn't gathered with members of my family or my whole family and we acted out the nativity story as a family. I even as an adult have played the role of the star. The reality is, is the nativity story and acting it out is one of my favorite things. Over the past, I don't know, decade or so, off and on, we've also included music. And I will totally own, I love singing with my family because my family sings. I wish that congregations would sing like my family sings, because if they did, then I wouldn't stick out in my congregation, number one. When I'm singing, but two, like we sing the hymns like we are not joyful. Let's be honest. The other really family tradition that I absolutely love is I love family Christmas parties of any kind. Like I really do. This year I had the opportunity to plan the Shoop family Christmas party, my husband's side of the family of and then for the Harrington side, we rotate years. And my sister is hosting this year a, a very uh, like a country home home traditional uh, Christmas party. And I'm going to be really honest, I'm super excited to go to it. Like, legit. I hope there's snow. I hope I don't die on the Malad Pass. But I do hope that there's lots of snow. And I'm looking forward to, to singing with my family and being with my family and feeling of that love. So all of that said, what is it that you are looking forward to the most this holiday season? As you think about Christmas... And all of the things that it may mean to you, what is something that you're looking forward to the most? As a kid, when I was growing up, one of the things that I noticed, there were two that I always paid very close attention to on Christmas Eve. The first one was that everybody in my family had matching stockings to put out except for me. I was so late to the game 
that one of my parents' friends had made personalized Christmas stockings, red and white. They were super cool. I never had one of those because they were given to our family before I was ever born. That's the first thing I noticed. But the second thing that I also always noticed with intrigue was that my parents never put out stockings. So Santa did not visit my parents. And I remember one year being really concerned about that. I think I was about 14. And I I had been working because I'd made the mistake of asking my parents for some money. And my dad gave me a job at the uh, tractor business. Thank you, dad. So I had saved my money for a couple of months. And I snuck into our living room late at night slash early in the morning on Christmas Eve. And Santa clearly had already been there. And it was a Christmas where it was just myself and my parents because at age 14, my brothers and my sister were all married, living in their homes and or I want to say my my brother closest to me was, was on his mission. Regardless, I was the only child at home for Christmas morning. And so I snuck into the living room and I set up on one of the TV tables that we had two colorful stockings filled with my parents' favorite treats and a letter of gratitude to both of them for who they were, for the things that they taught me. I remember calling out in those letters, hey, I noticed that you don't ever put out stockings for Santa. And I knew their upbringing. My dad ran away from home when he was in his early teens. Um, my mom came from a very humble upbringing. And I said, maybe you didn't get your favorite things on Christmas. And, and this year I wanted you to get your favorite things on Christmas. I love putting out stockings on Christmas Eve and seeing what what Santa brings. Now, that said, where does Christmas really come from? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why December 25th? Because let's be honest, taxes aren't uh, actually generally collected in the middle of the winter. So I went to one of my favorite places, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, why did I choose the Encyclopedia Britannica? Well, because there was a set of the Encyclopedia Britannica that always sat in the entryway of our home growing up. And if I ever had a question, my mother would say, well, have you looked in the encyclopedia? And so that was where I got a lot of answers to life's questions was the Encyclopedia Britannica. So as I was contemplating this episode, I thought, I need to learn a little bit more about Christmas. And as I was reading it, I realized probably most of you listening with me, either one, didn't ever know this, or two, don't remember this. For example, what is Christmas? Are you ready for this? Encyclopedia Britannica. Christmas is a Christian festival celebrating the birth of Jesus. The English term Christmas, Mass on Christ's Day. Did you know that's what it meant? Is a fairly recent origin. Christmas. It stands for Mass on Christ's Day. And we get upset if we need to go to church on Christmas. When literally the word means Mass on Christ's Day. The earlier term Yule may have been derived from the dramatic, Germanic, not dramatic. It may have been derived from that dramatic language. No, it's Germanic. Germanic Yule or the Anglo-Saxon Yule which referred to the Feast of the Winter Solstice. The corresponding terms in other languages, Navidad in Spanish, Natale in Italian, Noel in French, all probably denote nativity. The German word 
Are you guys ready for this? Because you know I'm totally going to slaughter it. Is Vinachtin denotes hallowed night. Since the early 20th century, for those of you that don't know what that means, that's the early 1900s, Christmas has also been a secular family holiday observed by Christians and non-Christians alike, devoid of Christian elements and marked by an increasingly elaborate exchange of gifts. In this secular Christmas celebration, a mythical figure named Santa Claus plays the pivotal role. So did you catch how that changed? Christmas began as what? Mass on Christ's Day. And now it's what? A celebration with a mythical figure named Santa Claus who plays that pivotal role. So then I decided, okay, if we're really going to understand Christmas, we've got to dig into this just a little bit deeper. So where does it originate? Listen to this. Again, Cyclopedia Britannica. The early Christian community distinguished between the identification of the date of Jesus's birth and the, the liturgical celebration of that event. Now, did you catch that? That was a lot of really smart-sounding words to say. The early Christian community knew there was a difference between when Jesus was born and when they actually celebrated his birth. So they're saying from the very onset, when he was born is different than when it was celebrated. Continue. The actual observance of the day of Jesus's birth was long in coming. In particular, during the first two centuries of Christianity, there was strong opposition to recognizing birthdays of martyrs or, for that matter, of Jesus. Numerous church fathers offered sarcastic comments about the pagan custom of celebrating birthdays when, in fact, saints and martyrs should be honored on the days of their martyrdom which is their true birthday from the church's perspective. The precise origin of assigning December 25th as the birth date of Jesus is unclear. The New Testament provides no clues in this regard. December 25th was first identified as the date of Jesus's birth by Sextus Julius Africanus in 221 and later became the universally accepted date. December 25th. Sextus Julius Africanus says, yeah, we're going to pick this day. But why? One widespread explanation for the origin of December 25th was the Christianization of the, the Dies Solus Invictinati, or the day of the birth of the unconquered sun, a popular holiday in the Roman Empire that celebrated the winter solstice as a symbol of the resurgence of the sun, or in other words, the casting away of winter and heralding in the rebirth of spring and summer. Indeed, December 25th had become widely accepted as the date of Jesus's birth. Christian writers frequently made the connection between the rebirth of the sun and the birth of the sun. Okay, we're going to read that again, because this is going to take us back to something that we talked about earlier. Christian writers frequently made the connection between the rebirth of the sun, S-U-N, and the birth of the sun, S-O-N. So what did they understood? Well, they they understood Doctrine and Covenants section 88. Remember, no sun, no sun. Without Christ, we don't have the sun. One of the difficulties with this view is that it suggests a nonchalant willingness on the part of the Christian church to appropriate a pagan festival when the early church was so intent on distinguishing itself categorically from pagan beliefs and practices. A second view suggests that December 25th became the date of Jesus' birth 
by a priori reasoning that identified the spring equinox as the date of the creation of the world. Now, that's kind of interesting if you think about the idea of April 6th and the significance of April 6th in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I'm going to read that again. The second view suggests that December 25th became the date of Jesus' birth by a priori reasoning that identified the spring equinox as the date of the creation of the world and the fourth day of creation when the light was created as the day of Jesus' conception. For example, March 25th making December 25th, nine months later, then became the date of Jesus' birth. For a long time, the celebration of Jesus' birth was observed in conjunction with his baptism celebrated on January 6th. Right? Because the 25th, and then you'd have to celebrate his baptism because Jewish baptism has to be within a certain time frame, January 6th, and now January 6th throughout many of our Catholic friends and other European friends is called All King's Day. Christmas began to be widely celebrated with a specific liturgy in the ninth century, but did not attain liturgical importance of either Good Friday or Easter, the other two major Christian holidays. Roman Catholic churches celebrate the first Christmas Mass at midnight. Protestant churches have increasingly held Christmas candlelight services Late on the evening of December 24th, a special service of lessons and carols intertwines Christmas carols with scripture readings narrating salvation history from the fall in the Garden of Eden to the coming of Christ. These services, inaugurated by E.W. Benson and adopted by the University of Cambridge, have become widely popular. Wow. Okay. So now that we know what and how it originated, let's talk about the who. Because really, without the who, you and I, we don't have Christmas. The who is Christ. And one of the things that I love about the Savior is actually a document that was written in the year 2000. So 20, almost 24 years ago, it was published or came out on January 1st, 2000. It starts with the words, as we commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ two millennia ago. And the name of the document is The Living Christ. I absolutely love this document because I love how it speaks to us and tells us about the mission of Jesus Christ. And I've actually taken the time twice in my life to memorize it verbatim, to be able to say it. And it truly continues, even though I can't do it right now, but it impacts my thoughts today. And it was what I thought of when I was preparing this outline and, and thinking about Christmas. Now, one of the things that I love about the living Christ is it's signed by the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. One of the interesting things is, do you remember that in the year 2000, Henry B. Eyring was the most junior apostle in the Twelve Apostles? At that time, Gordon B. Hinckley was the prophet with counselors Thomas S. Monson and James E. Faust. And two other really great guys were in or signed this document. They are Russell M. Nelson and Dallin H. Oaks. The only other living individual that signed this document is a really cool dude. You might have heard of him, Jeffrey R. Holland. All the others have since passed. There are a couple of sections though, that I want to 
talk to you about in this document because they are reasons that I celebrate Christmas. Let me show you what I mean. We solemnly testify that his life, which is central to all human history, neither began in Bethlehem nor concluded on Calvary. He was the firstborn of the Father, the only begotten Son of the flesh, the Redeemer of the world. He rose from the grave to become the first fruits of them that slept. Do you know one of my favorite things about knowing about the Christ child at Christmas? is that because of Christmas, we have Easter. And Easter means that the dead live again. One of the greatest, if not the greatest gifts given is that those that we have lost, we are guaranteed that they will rise again. I love that. As risen Lord, he visited among those he had loved in life. He also ministered among his other sheep in ancient America. In the modern world, he and his father appeared to the boy Joseph, ushering in the long-promised dispensation of the fullness of times. Of the living Christ, the prophet Joseph Smith wrote, quote, His eyes were as a flame of fire. The hair of his head was white like the pure snow. His countenance shone above the brightness of the sun, and his voice was as the sound of rushing of great waters, even the voice of Jehovah saying, I am the first and I am the last. I am he who liveth. I am he who was slain. I am your advocate with the Father. Close quote. Now, I don't know about you, but I could really use an advocate with the Father. As I just simply sit back and look at the year 2023, there are a few mistakes that I made. I'm not going to share them here with you. You don't need to know, but let's just say that my name is Candace Shoup and I sin. And I'm going to need an advocate that's going to say, you know what? She did some really wonky things, but given the circumstances, the situation, everything that was going on, she really was trying her best. She really did intend this. And as I look at the year 2024, many of us take this as an opportunity these next couple of weeks, right? To think about, okay, what am I going to do different next year? What are are my New Year's resolutions going to be? Handedly, sometimes I need like the new day resolution. Like today's got to get better than it's been before. And what are the changes that I need to make? And again, I need that advocate. Someone who's going to go to bat for me and really explain that in all things mortality, I, I really tried my best. We continue Of him the prophet also declared, And now, after the many testimonies which have been given of him, this is the testimony, last of all, which we give of him, that he lives. For we saw him even on the right hand of God, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him and through him and of him the worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters of God. I'm going to read that again. For we saw him even on the right hand of God, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him, through him, and of him, The worlds are and were. It's a continual process, friends. 
the world are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters of God. I have declared this before this year, but I will declare it again. You and I, when we look in the mirror, are looking at literal offspring of deity. You are a son or daughter of God. The end. Now, whether you choose to live up to that, that's you. That is 100% on you. But you and I are literal sons and daughters of God. So what do they say about this? I love this. We declare in words of solemnity that his priesthood and his church have been restored upon the earth, built upon the foundations of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I testify with these amazing 15 brethren that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the reason for the season. That because he was born, like that's important. He did need to be born. But I think it's more important that he, he lived and he atoned and he rose. That you can't really separate these individual pieces of the Savior's life. Like if I am celebrating his birth, then candidly, I also need to celebrate his death. And then celebrate the fact that he's alive. Because he gave you and I the greatest gift that's ever been given. And that is he gave you and I the opportunity to return to a loving Heavenly Father. Which poses probably one of the most important questions that we have asked on this podcast. And that question is, so what are you going to give Christ for Christmas? What are you personally going to give Christ for Christmas? Some of you are like me. I can remember growing up the frenzy of Black Friday. And Black Friday has had some amazing wild things happen to it. Black Friday, when I was a teen, was you would go to a mall at like 3 or 4 a.m., you would stake out at doors. You would go busting on in there, get what it was that you needed, and you would come out. I can remember going to Black Friday one year with my sister to buy my very first computer. My parents had given me money. They didn't know what I needed, and they just said, you you buy it. Here's what you have. This is, this is what you can spend. And so I looked at all the Black Friday deals, and there was one at Walmart. So I remember sitting in the Walmart parking lot, Blackfoot, Idaho, in my sister's car, We'd start it, we'd heat up, we'd turn it off, we'd get cold, we'd start it, we'd heat it up because it's Idaho, right? And then we went bolting in there and I got one of three computers that was at that pricing point. I can remember being uh, visiting my brother and my sister-in-law for Thanksgiving and my sister-in-law, she was meticulous at what she wanted, purchased where, and she would drop us off with money, stake us out at different stores, and then she would call us and come pick us up when we had what it was that we were supposed to get. I can remember one time I was dropped off at uh, Best Buy. And my job was to get like a series of DVDs and games for the gaming systems. And yeah, I remember doing that in Colorado. I've done Black Friday shopping, I think, in six states. So I feel like I'm an experienced Black Friday shopper. 
Now, why am I telling you all of this stuff about Black Friday? Why does it matter? Well, because we use Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday and to get those perfect gifts. I watched as my youngest very thoughtfully walked through a store for about 90 minutes trying to find the perfect gift for each one of us in the family. Do we do the same thing when it comes to the Savior? Do we meet it with such zealous and effort and excitement? So can I invite you to give Christ the perfect gift this Christmas? It's a really easy gift. It's your time. Will you take time to study about him? Will you take time to pray to him and talk with him? Maybe you take time in the next couple of weeks to attend the temple. But most importantly, will you focus on him, not just his birth, but all of the things that we've talked about here in 2023? So we've taken a very in-depth look at the Savior, his life, his teachings. We're about to wrap up the New Testament, friends. You've made it cover to cover. So will you give Christ the gift of you? Because the reality is that's the only thing you and I have to give. Elder Maxwell taught that the only thing that we have that doesn't already belong to the Savior and our Heavenly Father is our will or choice because they gave us agency. I know that as we study about him, talk with him through prayer, attend the temple, and make our lives, we've talked about this, Christocentrific, we find peace and happiness in a world of chaos. May not only this Christmas season be filled with light, but may your 2024 be filled with light because Christ is your center. Go and choose him. May this last week before Christmas be one of the best. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Go and Do podcast. We'd love it if you'd take time to leave us a review and also click follow. We would definitely love to hear from you. And you can reach us by either emailing the Go and Do podcast at gmail.com or following us on Instagram at the Go and Do podcast. I'm going to own. It may take me a minute to get back to you on the email, but it's just because I can't get in. Anyway, would love to hear from you. The Go and Do podcast is created by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Cami Fisher. We hope that you enjoyed your time with us and that you have a good time. Don't be a good time. Let's go and do. We'll talk soon.